Well, you already know we're celebrating baptisms today, which uh, is a really big deal to us here at Genesis. Uh, It's a big deal because it represents new life in Jesus Christ, and so we have really been looking forward to today, this morning. I got to tell you, I didn't sleep very well last night, awake a lot. Could have been the shrimp pasta that I had for dinner, but uh, I was also just anticipating uh, today and how fun uh, this is going to be. So thanks for being here with us, whether you call Genesis your church, uh, or maybe here visiting, or just here in support of somebody today. Uh, It is a good day, and we are going to baptize here in just a moment. But before we do that, I want to take just a few minutes with you, uh, because if we're going to truly understand the importance and the power uh, of what's about to take place here in this room, we need to first wrestle with the gospel. And the word gospel is kind of a church word, uh, depending on how much time you spend around church. Maybe that's a word that is or isn't familiar to you. The word gospel is just simply a word that means good news. Uh, It's the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, how many of you love flowers? We got any flower people in the room this morning, right? Plenty of people. It's uh, springtime, right? I love flowers. Uh, I love this time of the year because uh, I love watching what the trees do and the flowers that are coming up, the the wildflowers that you can find in the woods. Uh, I love daisies and uh, it's a little early for daisies. I've got some green that's coming up in different parts of my yard and I know that in another month or so, uh, it's going to look something like this. I don't know what it is about daisies. They just kind of make me smile. But uh, how how many of you love receiving flowers? Anybody love getting flowers? Kind of a flower type of person. If if you're a mom, you probably love receiving flowers. We know that people in love uh, exchange flowers. If you're in theater or music or something, maybe you've been a part of an event before and your fans or supporters came and they they greeted you with flowers when you were finished. Flowers are a nice touch, aren't they? Uh, They're a thought act that says, hey, you did a great job. Uh, They communicate a message that says, you know, we're proud of you. I love you. Get well soon. These flowers uh, that we picked up yesterday, uh, they look great this morning, right? But here's the thing about these flowers. Give them some days, uh, give them a week or so, and it won't take long before the uh, stems begin to droop. Uh, the petals will start to dry up and they'll fall off. You can water them. You can keep water in them and that'll prolong their appearance for a little bit, but you can't reverse the course. You can't reverse what nature is doing to this bouquet because here's the truth. They're dead, right? I mean, they're, they're dead. It, it, the fact is that the moment they were cut from the ground, the, the, the moment they were cut from the bunch or cut from the vine, they were disconnected from their source, which just means this, ladies. It means the next time your man brings you some flowers, whether they're red, white, or roses or not, they're dead. I mean, that's a bouquet of death that he is actually bringing to you, that he's given to you. And I know that's ruining some Mother's Day for some of you moms in the room, but On a serious note, the Bible, all right, God's word for us talks about how apart from Jesus, we're all dead, Uh, that we are dead to our sins. Now, what sin? I I realize sin is one of those kind of controversial terms today, depending on your belief system, what you do or don't think about sin. Sin for us, sin means to miss the mark. Sin is a, a failure to live up to God's holy standard that he has for our lives. It's a failure to reflect his character and his perfect righteous laws. There's a book in the New Testament, it's called Romans. It was written by a man by the name of the, we, we call him the Apostle Paul. Uh, we're going to look at a number of his 
verses today, but in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, he just kind of tells it as it is. He says, for everyone is sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. We all fall short of God's standard uh, that he has for our lives. And just by saying that, I know some of us might think to ourselves, like, really? Like, like I don't... Like, I know I'm not perfect and all, but like, I'm certainly not as bad as he is, or I'm certainly not as bad as, as she is or anything like that. But the truth is that when it comes to the standard that God has established for us in our lives, we all come up short. Consider it like this. Uh, Indianapolis has a nice skyline, right? There are other cities that have bigger, bolder skylines. I think Indianapolis happens to have a, a good skyline. And if you think about some of the taller buildings in Indianapolis, certainly the Salesforce Tower is the, the tallest building in Indy. When I checked, the One America building is the second tallest building. And if you're standing from the ground looking up at it, you can clearly distinguish that the Salesforce Tower is the tallest building and the One America Tower is the second tallest building. From, from our perspective, we can distinguish between the two, but take either one of those buildings and, and compare them to, let's say, the moon, the distance to the moon. Again, the perspective changes. It really doesn't matter how tall one is at the point, that point because the difference is virtually the same. The same is true when it comes to our personal sin. We may look at one person's actions and compare them to another person's actions, but when it comes down to it, it's all sin. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we can thank Satan for that. We can thank what happened, Adam and Eve, in the very beginning in creation. As Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, that when Adam sinned, sin entered the world, that Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, so everyone sinned. It's a theological term uh, known as imputed. And say it with me, I know we've got some kids in the room, imputed. That, that, that's the word. Imputed means a charge against someone's account, that Adam's sin impacted all of us. The, the stain of sin, the penalty of his sin is on every person born today, which may seem unfair. Right, because I don't know about you, but I didn't ask Adam to represent me, and you probably didn't ask Adam to represent you, but in the same way that one football player can jump off sides and therefore the whole team is penalized, we've all been penalized because of one sin. We were, we were born with it. And so when it comes to sin and evil that exists in our world today, I know I don't have to tell you how sin has polluted just about every aspect of the world right now. And sure, some of that sin looks, looks worse than others, and it's true that sin has different impact and different consequences depending on what that is. But the fact is that apart from Jesus Christ, we're all dead to sin, which means we all deserve death. The first part of Romans chapter 6, verse 23 is bad news. It's this reality that the wages of sin is death. The price, the penalty for our sin, for my sin, is death. It's a, a physical death. It's a spiritual death. It's an eternal death. Apart from Jesus Christ, that's where we're headed. That's what we all deserve. There's, there's nothing you or I can do to reverse the penalty of sin or reverse it on our own. There's no amount of good that either of us, any of us, can do to make ourselves right with God. That's the bad news. Here's the good news, and it really is good news. 
And this is good news for us, for each and every one of us, no matter who you are, no matter how long you've been around church, what you think about church, Jesus, any of this. This is why our church exists. This is why today indeed is a celebration for us. Because in his love, God provided a way for us, a remedy to the problem of sin and death. And he did and he accomplished that through his son, Jesus Christ. And so if Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the first half is the bad news, the good news is this, that the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Who is that gift? Jesus Christ is that gift for us. The one described here and also in places like John chapter 3 verse 16 when we read, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. See, God wasn't willing to let sin and death have the final say and therefore he sent Jesus on our behalf. Jesus lived a life that we could never live. He didn't sin, but when he was crucified, he took on sin in, his, in, in our place. He paid the penalty of sin for you and me, and he died a death that you and I deserve, and he paid the price. He paid the penalty for our sins, and God raised him from the dead on what we call Easter Sunday to prove that sin has been defeated once and for all, which means we don't have to be ruled by our sins, that our sins can be forgiven, that we can find life and freedom, that we can live a hope-filled life today. And all also with God and other followers of Jesus for all eternity. But there's a thing, there's a catch to this. And maybe some of you today came thinking, I wonder what the catch is. Here it is. It's not enough that these things happened. It's not enough that Jesus died on the cross, that this is a historical event that we base our faith upon. It's not enough that he lived and he died and he rose from the dead. Or let me say it like this. God isn't going to force himself on you. He will not force Jesus on you. He will leave that up to you. You get to make that decision for yourself. You must choose. You have to choose to put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says that if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. That's another church word. It's this word that we use a lot around here. It's this word saved. It means saved from sin. It means saved from things like hell. And it means to be saved for Jesus and saved for a life where we live for him in this world and be able to be able to, to say that you are sent by God because not only, you know, not only does uh, being saved by Jesus mean that your eternity has been determined, but it also means for us that we have a point, that there is a purpose, that there is a reason to live intentionally for Jesus Christ in this world. In just a moment, we're going to celebrate a number of people being baptized. I think seven in this service. Again, we have 20-some people being baptized across both of our campuses today. Each person getting baptized here this morning has put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. They have repented of their sins. We believe they belong to God. Their eternal destination has been finalized once and for all, and they are ready to follow Jesus in this world. What's baptism then? Two things real quick before we baptize. The first is this. Baptism is a beautiful picture. 
It is a beautiful picture of the death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, that he was buried in the tomb, but three days later, God raised him from the dead. The Apostle Paul says it like this in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. He says, or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may also live new lives. And so baptism is just this beautiful picture of what Jesus Christ did on our behalf. And when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and repent of your sins and trust in Christ, it's like you have died to your sins. You have died to your past. And so faith in Jesus means that we have been raised to new life, that we are no longer dead, that the penalty of death no longer determines our future. Jesus does. He has the final say and we belong to him. It's like we have been raised to new life. Baptism is a symbol of just that. When we go under the water, it's like we have been buried to our sins. When we come up out of the water, it's like we have been raised to new life. And Jesus was baptized and his followers were baptized and he commanded others to be baptized. And so when we get baptized, we're just doing what our leader, we're doing what our savior, Jesus Christ, did for us and what he invites us to do. And so baptism is a picture of what Jesus has done. But the second thing is this, that it's also a bold statement. Baptism is a bold statement because when you think about it, we live in a world of a lot of bold statements these days. Everybody's got a statement about just about anything and everything, a claim that they make about their identity and you can find your identity in just about anything in this world right now. Baptism means that above all else, Jesus is our identity, that we belong to him first before anything else. And it means that my faith and my salvation and my baptism, well, it just reminds me that I'm forgiven, that Christ took care of that on my behalf on the cross, that my goal is now to live as if Jesus were living through me. You know, baptism, as you're, and as you're gonna see in just a moment, it is a statement that I wanna be a part of what God's doing in this world, that I wanna help others find their way back to God. And it just also means that I don't have to be afraid of what comes or what's on the other side of this earth because Jesus is my savior, that I belong to him, that I am a child of God and nothing, no one is ever gonna take that away from me. And that's why Romans chapter 6, 11 is true and why we proclaim this when we baptize. The apostle Paul says, so you also should now consider yourselves dead to the power of sin but alive to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ, your son who you gave, who gave his life so that we could have life and have it to the full. And we thank you for your great love and we thank you for eternal life. We thank you for forgiveness and for redemption. And we thank you for what we're gonna witness here in this room in just a few moments. As we're reminded that baptism is a picture of what Jesus has done for us. But it's also a bold statement from each one of these individuals of what Jesus has done in their life and now their desire to live and to live boldly for him here on this earth. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for each of these lives. We thank you for this church. We thank you for the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Have your way in this place today. Be glorified today in all that we do and say. 
And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.